Good morning, everybody. How we doing? Yeah, you real good? You sort of good? Medium good? All right. <laughs> Remember the, pra- the pastor was speaking in a cave. He said, smile so I can see where you is. You know, so we, um, we hope that you're feeling welcome and you enjoyed the worship experience thus far. My name is Pastor Derek, and I'm the lead pastor at Connect. It's awesome to be with you this morning. I just want to uh, kind of um, set the, the tone. Can you just join me? If you wouldn't mind, let's just stand to our feet as we pray together as a spiritual family. Can we do that? Let's kind of get in the right mindset, the right heart, the right attitude, and make sure that we maximize every second, every minute. Amen? Amen. If, you, uh, if you're comfortable, you know somebody to your right and to your left, let me just grab their hand and just kind of join together. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you so much for this church. What an incredible, incredible church that we have here at Connect. Thank you for the, the, the power and the importance of uh, spiritual family, unity, God. When, when, when brethren dwell together in unity, there is a, the Bible says, a commanded blessing that comes on a church. And I just pray for the commanded blessing to be here today on every person that has entered this room, God, from, from the street to the seat, Lord, their, their lives will be changed. They'll never be the same again, Father, because of your word that is transformational, God. It's not an information thing. It's not, this isn't some uh, self-help growth leadership seminar. This is an opportunity to experience the incorruptible truths of Jesus Christ. We are allowing the word to confront us and to correct us and to comfort and console us and to give us courage to face the day. And I pray, Lord, that this would be a day like no other because we have raised our expectations and we have elevated Lord, you in our midst as we worship you. And because of that, great things are going to happen in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen and amen. Give somebody a high five to your right or to your left. So it's going to be a great service. Come on. <laughs> Some people can't reach, but that's okay. <laughs> well, we're in a series uh, entitled Real Life. And... Um, the, uh, the focus of the series is basically that, uh, you know, life's not a game. And the idea is, you know, sometimes we don't take life too seriously. We, we, we don't have an intentionality to the days we've been given. The Bible tells us that our days are numbered. Uh, there are certain numbers. It's been ordained by God, and uh, He kind of has uh, the roadmap for our lives. And, and we're supposed to relinquish control, surrender our life to God, and in doing so, uh, he'll help us win in this life. In fact, Luke 9, uh, the theme text for this particular uh, series is, if you try to keep your life for yourself, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you'll find true life. In other words, when you, when you let God win, you never lose. You always win when you let God win, you know, and it's a win-win situation when you surrender your life to God completely. But we have a hard time sometimes as Christ followers uh, surrendering our life to God. And, and the tendency for us, again, is to treat life like a game, and uh, we're not intentional with our lives. And this is especially true when it comes to relationships. And so we've, we've kind of dedicated a whole series to relationships. And, and people sometimes are just kind of wishing and hoping, wishing upon a star, that things would get better, uh, but uh, they're wondering why they don't. And a lot of it has to do with this concept of surrender, our life to God, and letting Him kind of guide and direct our lives. And it reminds me of a guy who was recently divorced after uh, some uh, recent marriage problems, and uh, he, was, uh, he was in a cave, just kind of mourning and sulking, and he was looking for just something to change his life, and he was just kind of 
dreaming that maybe he'd find a treasure in this cave, and he found an old lamp, and he rubbed it, and wouldn't you know it, out came a what? A genie. A genie in the lamp, so to speak. And the genie said, you know, I've got three wishes for you, but here's the deal. Uh, For every wish that I grant you, your ex-wife's going to get double. So he says, he wasn't too happy about that, but the man agreed nevertheless, and he said, okay, well, I wish that I would, my first wish is I wish I'd get a mansion. Of course, he gets a mansion, his wife gets two mansions. He wasn't too happy about that, but, you know, he got a mansion. Then he said, I wish I could get a million dollars, and, and, and uh, of course, the genie, the genie granted his wish, and he got a million dollars, but his wife got two million dollars, and, you know, the genie says, so for your third and final wish, you know, be able to think carefully, and so he says, okay, I'm going to think carefully about this. I wish that you would scare me half to death. <laughs> Some of you guys are catching up with that a little bit later. Anyway, anyway, today's message, just as an intro, is married life, all right? We're going to talk about married life. Some people think, you know, it, you know marriage is a sentence, a life sentence. Uh, some people get a little bit, you know, nervous about the subject of marriage and get upset about it. And I, I assure you this will be kind of an all play, but I want to open up by reading from Ephesians chapter 5, which is kind of known as the marriage chapter in the, in the Bible. And uh, one of the verses that's often overlooked is verse 21. I'm going to read that, and then I'm going to go to verse 25. Verse 21 of Ephesians 5 says, Submit to one another. Everybody say, submit to one another. <laughs> out of reverence for Christ. Say that, out of reverence for Christ. Here's what's going on there. A lot of times, uh, truths get twisted and uh, manipulated sometimes for our selfish purposes, for our own gain. And so sometimes we miss an overarching principle that is there in Ephesians chapter 5, and we just look at one side, usually that relates to our spouse and not to us, instead of seeing what really God is saying here over the whole thing. And what he's saying is, things don't work out this way if they're not worked out this way. You submit to one another, showing your love, your awe, and your respect for God. You cannot say, this is good and this not be good, and, and you practice this here. The laboratory, the where you work it all out, what you have vertically is what happens horizontally in your relationship with others, but also in particular in this chapter with your spouse. Hebrews 5.25 says, husbands, then he gets more specific, love your wives just as Christ loved the church. Pretty strong contrast. And gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, so he says, just as Christ loved the church, you love your wives. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but feeds and cares for it just as Christ does the church. Now, I'm going to kind of emphasize today, I'm going to do kind of two parts on this, so if you hang through the whole thing, it'll be, it'll be fair and equitable, but today I'm kind of going to speak a little bit more to the men as it relates to the wives, and the next week, wives, as it, wives, don't, don't not come back to church next week, all right? <laughs> so you got to be here for both sides of this whole thing, but uh, today I'm going to emphasize more of, you know, kind of what the, uh, the man's role should be towards uh, the wife, and um, what happens is a lot of times relationships fail because, again, we take truth and we kind of use it for our own purposes, and we like to post, you know, scriptures on refrigerators and put books in, in certain places. That's kind of not so much the guy's side of things, but guys, we're kind of more barking and screaming out orders and things like that, and if not, we're thinking about it, and we're stewing about things and, and, and how we like to be treated, and, and, and if, something, if something would change in, some t- in our thinking, we'd have changes in our outcomes. One of the things that 
we can see from God's word is that uh, as a kind of a whole different look on relationships. In short, relationships work, guys, when we give up our rights and we pick up our responsibilities. We give up our rights. In other words, the world says you got to protect your rights. We have contractual agreements in relationships. Whereas when you pick up your rights, that is a covenant kind of relationship. There's a big, and I won't do a lot on this today, but the differences between contract and covenant are all throughout Scripture. But in short, we're called men to serve our spouse selflessly. And this requires, uh, this, is, this, is the, this is a strong word, but it's appropriate. It requires that we die to ourselves. And, and I didn't realize that when I got married. I think Galatians 2.20 says, uh, I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. The, li- the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. When I was walking down the aisle to be married, I, I didn't know that scripture existed. I- how many know what I'm talking about? You-, you didn't see that one in there until after the fact. I-, I-, I didn't realize that I came to the altar. I came to the altar, and I thought it was an altar where I kind of, this is where my wishes, my hopes, and my dreams will all be fulfilled here in this moment. But really, and this, is gonna be, this will be unpacked more, but really it was kind of an altar where you die to yourself. And, and for, in order for your wishes, hope and, hopes, and dreams to be fulfilled, it required a death to self. That love, in fact, is not selfish, it is selfless. Can I have an amen or an oh me out there? And I didn't get the memo on this when I got married. And so I came with a different, different idea. I came just, you know, thinking that, that uh, I, I, I dreamed and wished, you know, that when we got married, you know, every night my wife would, would meet me in a, in, a, in, a, in a wonderful robe and a beautiful little outfit. And I didn't know she would wear the same shirt she had since she was in the eighth grade. <laughs> and that it could walk by itself. I, I, I didn't get the memo on that. I, I, I thought, she, I didn't know that she wished and dreamed and, and hoped it wouldn't matter. And so those two wishes and desires, they collided with each other. You know, I, I, I wished and dreamed, you know, that, that she would meet me at the end of every single workday and, and she'd have that, that little apron on like Mrs. Cleaver and she'd have makeup on and she'd been cleaning the house all day and it's perfect and pristine and the kids are all in the room doing homework and, and preparing to greet their father when it was appropriate time and the food would be on the dinner table and for a four-course meal and she'd greet me with a kiss. Uh, she thought it wouldn't matter that when I opened the door, there would be a screaming baby and she'd hurl him at me and I didn't know what sex it was. It just was messy and disgusting and it needed to be bathed immediately and, and we might have, you know, like SpaghettiOs and, and it just... Those two things collided, you know, and it requires death. Death. <laughs> Here's the big idea for today, okay? If you, if you I'm going to say you, like all play, you know, if you want joy and happiness in this world, then you lay your life down for Jesus. And if you're married and you want joy and happiness in that relationship or really any relationship, then you lay your life down for your wife, for your spouse. The truth is you really won't be happy unless, or or maybe for a little while you will, but but in in the end you won't unless you lay your life down for Jesus and you lay your life down for others. How how many of you are uh, out there are married, currently married? Raise your hand if you're married, all right? How many of you not married? 
How many of you wish you're not married? No, just kidding. <laughs> Don't answer that one. Don't answer that one. <laughs> upgrades. We have any upgrades here, you know? So if you're not married, then you, you, you will hear something, I promise you, during this, this message today that will help you out. It'll help you in some way. So just don't tune me out. But um, how many of you believe that it's God's will for you to be married? Okay, most of you. How many of you won't raise your hand no matter what I say? All right, gotcha, 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 gotcha. Okay, all right. All right. Here's, here, most people believe that, that, that marriage is God's will. If you, if you, have, if you don't, then you, then you have what the Scriptures call uh, the gift of celibacy. Now, how do you know if you have the gift of celibacy? Okay, here's a litmus test for the gift of celibacy, okay? If you go into the desert and there's a, there's a person of the opposite sex there and they're standing next to a cactus and you see no difference between the two, you have the gift of celibacy. You might have the gift of celibacy. But if you see a difference, you probably don't, and you should be getting married, okay? So anyway, when a person says, I have a happy marriage, that in essence is saying, my needs are being met. My needs are being met. And God designed it so that uh, your spouse could and would meet your needs. And if, if they say, I'm not happy in my marriage, and they're basically saying that my needs are not being met. And, and, and the truth is, it's... It's simple to understand, but it's not easy to achieve. Uh, but it's very satisfying when it does. And so I want to give you three fundamental needs. Guys, girls, write this down too, and, but just don't put these notes beside his bed. Just let him take the notes. But three fundamental needs of a woman, okay? Three fundamental needs of a woman. They're, they're, they're unique, that a man is designed to, by God to meet. Uh, but since the fall... The fall, kind of Genesis 3 there, when man kind of stumbled and fell, uh, we've struggled to kind of see these very, very clearly. And this can help you. And, the, and this, this, you can meet these needs, guys, but the only way you can is if you lay your life down. There's a death to, to oneself. And here's the kind of, you know, that's just the overarching principle. Here's three needs of a woman, okay? This is the first one. God designed men and women differently with different needs, but the first one, not necessarily in this order, but it's probably right up there. Number one is communication communication. Everybody say communication. Guys, we have a really, 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 can I emphasize, really hard time with this, okay? And I'm just saying after many years of marriage, this is still an issue. I heard about a man, he was walking on a California beach and he stumbled across, believe it or not, a genie lamp. And he picked it up and he rubbed it and out comes this genie and this genie is like, Blah, 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 blah. I've been called out like four different times already. Here's the deal. You always, normally you get three wishes, but it's already happened four more times. You just get one wish today, buddy. What's your wish? And so this guy's like thinking, it's kind of not fair. You know, I just stumbled upon this. And, uh, but he sat and he thought about it for a while. And he said, well, listen, Mr. Genie, I've always wanted to, uh, to go to Hawaii, but I'm scared to fly, and I get really sick when I kind of, you know, seasick when I get on boats, and uh, could you build me a bridge from the California coast all the way to Hawaii so that I could kind of drive over that way and, and, and visit? And the genie laughed and was just like, you're out of your mind, buddy. That's impossible. Think of the logistics. Think of, you know, how to make a bridge and have, you know, that cement and all those structures and supportive structures go to the bottom of the Pacific. You're out of your mind. How much concrete? How much steel? You need to think of another wish. This genie was just really difficult, really reluctant. So the man said, okay, and he tried to think of a really good wish. And finally he said, all right, 
Mr. Jeannie. I've been married and divorced four times, all right? My wives always say the same old things, repeat the same old things. They say, I don't care. I'm not sensitive. I don't understand women. Uh, I, 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 know, I don't know how they feel and what they're thinking. And, and they give me the silent treatment. And, and then they start the crying and the crying. And then, they, then they, they, they say nothing while they're saying everything. And, and I just, I, I don't, I don't, know how to understand them, and I want to be truly happy, and I, and, and, and I need to be able to connect with them. And, and so the genie paused, and he just thought for a little while, and he says, listen, do you want that bridge to have two lanes of four? <laughs> See, it's, nobody said it was easy, okay, man, but, but if you lay your life down for her, if you lay your life down for her, you decide that I'm going to communicate, then it, it won't take a magic lamp but it won't happen magically either. And so here's some advice. When you get married, there are two words. I'm going to spend a little bit more time on this communication point that you and I must drop, must drop in our vocabulary, men. And here's the two words we have to drop. Number one, this is bonus material, I think. Fine. Fine. The second word that we have to drop from our vocabulary is good. Good. Fine and the word good. Now, years ago, when I would come home from work, this is years ago, my wife's not here, so I have to, I can be a little bit more uh, crazy this morning. When she comes second service, I have to be a little bit more behaved. But when I, when I came home from work, I would, after talking all day, I just want to preface that, by talking, talking all day, I would come through the door, and my wife would start on me. Now, that's the word I chose to use. It's not the best word, but that's what I used to call it. But she would start on me. Well, how was your day? Well, what happened today? Well, what, what, what happened with the, the meetings that you had today? Well, what did he say? Well, how did that make you feel? Well, how long was the meeting? I mean, just on and on and on and on. And, and, and I would just think to myself where she's going, she's, this is the nosiest person in the world. In the world. Now, if I was to have the same conversation with another man, I'd say, how was your day? He would say, fine or good, Right? It's incredible, and, 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 and yet one time, you know, I was studying the, 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 the and I've, we've done this in church before, where I was studying the differences, the different types of translations, different types of Bibles. There's, there's uh, certain Bibles are what you call um, dynamic equivalency translations, and then other times you have exact equivalency translations. An exact equivalency translation, like the King James or New King James, that's a word-for-word -word translation. Then you might have like the, the NLT which is a, a dynamic, that's kind of a thought-for-thought thought translation. And I was studying those two things. You probably, so, probably know where I'm going. You, you're probably thinking that that's what women are like. They want the word-for-word -word translation. And the truth is, no, they don't. They want word-for-word -word and thought-for-thought. Thought. They want both. They want to know what happened and how did it make you feel. How did it make you feel? Listen, guys, we have to grow in this big time because this is the need she has. We must lay our life down in this area. And, and, and not, not many moons ago, I began to kind of realize this because my wife, my wife and I now, we, we, talk, we talk every day. We, we talk for about 15 to 30 minutes of just really quality communication every day. You might think that's not a lot. Maybe it isn't to you. But, but usually, you know, every night and then every Saturday, we, we block off, you know, sometimes two, three hours of time just to talk. And it's a, it's a practice. It's kind of a part of our life. And we did it just yesterday. We connect this way. 
And some of you are like, oh my gosh, I don't really like this point, Pastor, and you're scaring me right now. I heard one guy, he was telling me that he went to a counselor, and the counselor was giving him similar advice, like you need to communicate, and you need to connect with your wife, and honestly, because of your situation, you probably need to do it about 30 minutes every day. And, and the guy replied, he said, you will find me dead in the morning with my brain sucked out. That was a wrong answer. That's sometimes what, what, what men think about communication. And, and I'm telling you, you, we need to do this every day. I do this every day, and I like it now. Now, I like it now. It wasn't always that way. In the early years of my marriage, I, 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 I could observe from a distance. And if you think about this, guys, in your marriage, I, I used to listen to my wife talk for hours with her mother or with one of her sisters or a close friend. And I'm thinking, she's just talking for a long time, long distance. That costs money. <laughs> but, but as I backed up from the, from the economics of it, I realized that there was, there were, there was a relational thing that was happening there. And, and guys, we, we need to spend, if, you know, we need to spend time. And if honest, for me, it was a discipline at first. It was a discipline. And I just had to accept that this was right and that, and that that's what works. And, and, and when she asks me now, like, how was your day? Uh, listen, it, it, when, she, when she asks me now, how was your day? It's different than it once was. It's not fine or good. It's different. It's like, well, how was my day? Well, my eyes, my eyes opened at 645. <laughs> when I put my feet on the floor, I realized that there was a little bit of congestion because of the pollen that was in the air. And it was starting to come over me. Only minutes later, I, I had a flood of emotion when I started thinking about all the meetings that I had today, and I started to get a little bit stressed, and I was feeling kind of upset about it, and my stomach started to churn just a little bit. And every time I used the word feeling, she'd step closer. <laughs> really, really. <laughs> Women love, love, love it when you use the word feelings. Feelings, whoa, 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 feelings. You got you to gotta show them your feelings. They love that. And initially, guys, when you don't know what to say, you just make stuff up. <laughs> because, because we don't get it. We really don't know. If you're talking and she, she says, you know, tell me more. You know, or if she's talking about something and you say, and then what happened? You just keep on, you just keep on connecting, you know, and... Ladies, when, when you say to your man, how are you feeling? And they say, I don't know. We are not lying. We, we, we really don't know, you know? I have a friend, he was going through a work transition, and his job was taken away after many years of service, and his wife asked him, how do you feel about that? And, and, and he, said, he says, I don't know. I don't know. She said, are you, are you not upset about that? She said, no. I mean, he said, no. And she said, yes, you are. <laughs> he told me the next day, he said, after I started to think about it, I realized I am upset about it. But it took him a day to connect the dots. Are you tracking with me? So men, here's the deal. I'm going to spend a little bit more on this, but because we need to get it. Ladies, men come from the manufacturer, all right? Uh, we come from the manufacturer. We're like a product, but all the parts are there, but they're not connected, okay? We, the, uh, some assembly required, 
Are you tracking with me? And so women, this is kind of a bonus, women, your job is to help assemble him emotionally. Is everybody tracking? Everybody liking this so far? Turn to your neighbor and say, I like what I'm hearing. All right? So, so, so women, this is your job. This is your job. With some men, a lot of them, assembly is required. A lot of assembly. A lot of wires are unplugged. Okay? And let's just say, hypothetical, you were a great basketball player in college. All right? And she, she asks you, so, um, honey, your father... Never came to any of your basketball games. No, yeah, he didn't come to any of my basketball games. So the championship basketball game, he wasn't there? No, no, no emotion at all. Just, no. She goes on. She said, so were were all the other fathers at the game when, you know, the championship game was going on? Yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. All the guys were there. Absolutely, still nothing, still nothing. He doesn't see where she's going. So... What she's doing is she's taking the wired experience and she's connecting it to a, the feeling. All right, this is what's happening. Is everybody tracking with me? Some of you guys still don't know what I'm talking about. And so, so she goes on. She said, so let me ask you. So you made the winning basket in the final seconds of the game and your father wasn't there. Is that right? Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. And then all of a sudden, bzz, it happens. He, he, she's, she, he said, oh, ah. And she goes, honey, that's a feeling. That's a feeling. Before you know it, this same guy who's made that connection, he's crying at movies. He's watching his girls and he breaks down because he can't, he can't control his emotion. This, it's amazing what can happen. It, ladies, this is your job. It's part of your job. It's amazing to me to watch the difference with two sexes in counseling sometimes in a situation. Two people come into my office. They're having a marital, a marital problem, a marital struggle of some kind. And, and, and I may open up with, with, with a question sometimes and I'll point it initially at the, uh, the wife. This is, this is with... This is, happens almost every single time, and, and they're, they're both seated kind of beside each other, and I'll direct the question. I'll say, listen, so um, how, how, does, how does this meeting kind of, you know, what kind of, how does this make you feel? You know what happens as soon as I say that? Not a word has come out of her mouth, and she's already begun to cry. cry. Yeah, yeah. I got to grab tissues. We haven't even started. The woman's crying. She needs tissues. The only time a man needs tissues is to blow his nose. It's incredible. That's why I have plenty of tissues. But anyway, if you ask the question to the man, you say, you know, you try to get into something more particular. You know, you just, talk to me, you know, buddy. You know, sometimes this stuff has got stuff going on under the hood. So I want, tell me a little bit about your childhood growing up. And he replies, well, there's not much to say. You know, how was it? Fine. How was your childhood? Good. Well, tell me about Tell, clearly it wasn't good. Tell me about your relationship with your, your father and your mother. Well, you know, uh, when I was born, they didn't want to have kids. They kind of just threw me out the window. I mean, it's a hypothetical, of course. And, and uh, you know, I was, I was raised by dogs. You know what I mean? I was raised by dogs, you know, and, and they took care of me. And, uh, you know, and, I, and then later on, I was raised by bears. At least that's what my wife says. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, 
And it just on and on it goes. And he's like, no, just I'm trying to get you to understand. I don't really want to hear about that. I want to hear about the dogs. Well, you should have known this dog, Harry. He, he, we and I, we had the great. Listen, I'm not trying to talk about dogs. I'm not trying to talk about bears. I'm trying to ask you, how did it make you feel when your parents abandoned you? Well, you know, and, and they just, they can't connect. And, and so it goes on. Did that hurt? You know, they, it's ladies, we don't get it. We don't get it. Men, if you'll start talking to your wives, where I'm going is, you'll get wired up. You'll get wired up. Here's the, here's the good thing. Once you learn to connect with a woman, there's three benefits of it. This is in your notes. Number one, women connect through communication, okay? That's how you connect. Some of the things, guys, that you're after, which we'll get to next week, uh, has a lot to do with this part right here. You connect with your heart, everything goes downhill from there, and I mean it in a good way. All right, next point. When you connect with a woman, you are learning to connect with God. All the women say amen. amen. Your relationship with God goes deeper when you learn to connect with a woman. This, this, listen, it's, it's, I'll get to this in a second, but this is sometimes why men have a harder time in worship. They're not emotionally connected. It's like, I don't really get all these tra-la-las going on here and kumbayas. I don't get it. You know what I mean? I just can't wait till Pastor D speaks, but the first half is kind of like, <sighs> this is some of why. You, your, your experience is not connected with your feelings. It hasn't happened yet. And some of that is made possible in the relationship that you have with your spouse. As you communicate and connect in communication, you will learn how to better connect with God. Here's the third point of that is the, the, the marriage, it's, it's the mirror image of God. We are, his, we, are, we are a reflection of God, but if you, the mirror image of God is marriage, a husband and wife connected. It's the image of oneness. Think about it. The only thing God said that wasn't good was when man was all alone. He said he created the stars, that's good. Created the trees, that's good. Created the animals, that's good. But then he created man. Man's all by himself running around down there, down there naked, maybe with a pair of scissors. And he said, that ain't good. Not so good. It's the only time he said it's not good. It's not good for man to be without a, a woman. Genesis 2.18 says, And the Lord God said, It's not good that man should be alone. I'll make him a helper comparable to him. I don't know why he said this, but I think it's just because he's, he's kind of, he's like dangerous on his own in a way. Let me tell you something. You know, if you lay your life down for your wife, you'll be happy. That's the bottom line. Let me, it, it, you know, if you look at the, the worst thing that can happen, an affair, let's just say, a destructive affair. There's statistics say that one in four have confronted uh, adultery. That's a lot in marriage. And affairs, let me just say this, they're never justified. They're never justified. But you know why they happen, really, fundamentally at the core level? Men, men have affairs because of two reasons. Women don't honor men, and they don't, they're not sexually active with their spouse. That's really the two top reasons. I'll unpack that more later, but... That's really the top reasons. I would say honor is by far number one. The women have affairs because men won't listen to them and make them feel special or unique. They won't connect. They won't connect. And sometimes women, if you're single, a lot of, a lot of men will pretend to listen to you so they can have sex, by the way, and they learn how to manipulate that fact that I just shared with you. Number two, leadership. Are you getting something out of this? 
Okay, so three unique needs of a woman. The second, first one's communication. second one's leadership. This leadership is the number one complaint in a Christian marriage. Number one complaint in Christian counseling with marriage is he won't lead. Happens all the time. I listen to it over and over and over again. I've been that person over and over again. He won't lead. And it doesn't mean exactly what you think. Guys, they're not talking about domination. God never intended for that to happen in marriage. It's our tendency uh, with surrender to, to Christ, and it, and it sometimes leads to big problems when we, get, when we get the wrong idea about it. But Genesis 3 talked about this. It says, your desire shall be for your husband, and he will rule over you. After the fall, there was this tendency for man to try to dominate and for woman to resist and rebel. But God intended something totally differently in his perfect design. There would be a, there would be a hand-in-glove relationship between the two. And leadership is not domination. Leadership is initiation, men. Initiation. Write that down. Seriously. Leadership is initiation. She's not looking for domination. She's looking for you to initiate. Leadership, <laughs> some friends have been with me a long time, but it means to lead her ship. Okay? You are, you are, you're initiating. We are supposed to lead our wives as Christ led the church. And so if we as men went to the Lord and he led you the way we lead her, where would we be? What if, what if he was dominating, selfish, overly sensitive, intimidating, demeaning, critical? We wouldn't want to be led like that. And we can't lead like that either. What if God was an absent leader? What? So maybe I'm not like that. Well, let's swing it the other way. What if you were passive and absent and not involved in all? What if you went to God and asked him for something important? And, and God, what do you think about this? And what do you think I should do? And what if he said, I don't know. I don't know. Go ask your mother-in-law. <laughs> what if he said, you know, she goes, oh, what do I do about all these bills? What do I, how do I raise the kids, you know, in this particular area? What do I do during the season when things are real busy and crazy? And how many sports should we do this, 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 this semester with the kids? And what if it competes with church? And, you know, and, and how are we going to continue to do this in our finances? And what if he just replied, beats me? I don't know. What if God said, beats me? I don't know. I got, I got all kinds of problems with kids. You seen all these kids I have? What if God was like that? Think, think about it. God gives us incredible leadership, and that is what she, she wants from us, men. Let me be more specific. How can a man lead? Number one, he can lead in spiritual matters. This is under the second point. He can lead in spiritual matters. I can't tell you how many women have said this to me over the years. If I didn't lead in this area, he wouldn't do it at all. If I didn't go to church, he wouldn't go to church. If I didn't go to small group, he wouldn't go to small group. If I didn't, you know, initiate this, he wouldn't do it at all. I think, guys, all of hell is trying to stop men from leading. I do. I really do. It's incredible. There's a leadership. I want to say this in the most positive way I know how. There's a leadership stamp on men that if we'll accept it, that it has tremendous influence on your marriage and your family and beyond. When, when a man comes to Christ in a home who didn't know Christ, there is a 90% chance that the family line will follow. When a mother comes to Christ in a home, there's a 40% chance. That's a big difference. That's not because one's better than the other. It's because God put a leadership stamp on men. And so God will do everything he can to try to get us to stop leading. You say, well, you know, how can you? Well, you can pray together. And a lot of guys, they, don't, they just make all kinds of excuses why they don't want to pray. And they'll say a whole bunch of different things. Let me tell you what it really is. We're embarrassed. We're embarrassed. 
And so women, you can create a vacuum that invites your husband to lead in this area by not making him feel inferior. Because most women are so connected, they start to pray. It's, it's, it's so expressive and real and passionate. And we're like, uh, hey, God, uh, it's been a while. So uh, I don't even know what to say. But, uh, you know, we just struggle. And the women will be like, Jesus, oh, you're the passion of my life. And I just want to tell you some things that are going on. And I'm really struggling. And then you just go. And, and so we don't want to bring this relationship, which, which, which is so neophyte, into this relationship, which is so genuine. And so, but yet, if we will join those two things together, it's incredible what will happen. The oneness and the unity. And I would submit to you the power that comes into a relationship. I just want to tell you, I struggle with this. I have a, I'm much better at communicating publicly this than I am even doing it privately. That's a fact. I think it's because the enemy wants to stop us in that area. And you don't have to be a professional. And when we shouldn't embarrass our men because, or, or the men in our lives because they don't do it as well as we do. We just need to invite them in. Whatever they say, five words, 50 words, doesn't matter. How can a man lead in spiritual matters? Number two, he can lead with the children. If you have children, uh, she wants you to be involved. Say, no, she doesn't. She does. When you're not involved for so long, and then what happens is they, they, they take over in, in, because, you've, because you've abdicated your role. And so you kind of have to work your way back in, and there's a lot to this, but, but she does want you to lead in, this, in these areas. What, and what, what you'll notice is when she finally hits a wall where she can't and she doesn't know what to do, she turns to you, and you're like, uh... It's a lot tougher then because she's been carrying the weight and her, her muscle in this area is more developed than you. And so you don't have the leadership skill that she does because she's doing it more. You need to share more of that leadership. But, but, in, but it, it doesn't mean that, like, for example, in discipline, it doesn't mean that the woman doesn't do the discipline. She probably does most of it. But the clear leader should be the man in discipline. It doesn't mean, in other words, it's, it's kind of like, listen, um, this is what's going to happen. And the mom will just lay, lay down the law. But your father's coming home later. And see, that my kids, they, listen, I'm, I'm, I got a long leash and I'm a grace person, but when the kids, when the kids know that this is going to go up, it's not down, it's going up. You're going up to the higher authority in the house. That's what happens. You guys may not like some of these points, as I can tell it's getting quiet, but we'll talk more about this in a parenting seminar. Or I'll get Stacy back up here and she can go at it. But we lead with the children. We need to be involved. And number, number three, a part of number two is romance. We lead in romance. Romance. In other words, she doesn't want to, be re she doesn't want to have to remind you that it's her birthday. She wants you to remember that, okay? Romance is when you anticipate a need before it's asked for. Listen, when you anticipate a need before she asks for it, let me just tell you something. It's a good night in the, in the Fry household. Can I spell it out for you, gentlemen? In other words, you know, would you like me to pick up the kids for you today? When I say things like that, my wife just goes, like it's, I mean, romantic to her, you know? Maybe we should just stay home tonight. You know what? I don't think I'm going to go to the gym right now. I just want to hang out with you. Let, let's just, oh, if I say this, let's just talk. Let's just talk. Oh, I'm going to take it up another notch. Let's just cuddle on the couch. Whoa. Let me just tell you something. And then, you know, she just takes it to a whole, H&L, that's all I'm saying. H&L. Some of you ladies are like, I hope he's taking notes. Are you taking notes? Are you taking notes? All right. 
Now, some of you, you, you need to know your wife's love language. You need to know kind of what makes her tick, you know. Is it words of affirmation? Is it, is it, is it acts of service? Is it, is it my wife's quality time, all right, quality time? Some people, it's, it's gifts. Listen, if your wife's thing is, is, is gifts, that's okay. You know, it's a, it's a great, some people love those romantic expressions. Some people like them all. But, but in those romantic decisions, you know, you got to think also that there, sometimes, some decisions, by the way, are financial decisions. They're just math decisions. They're not something that you, you pray about. Well, we're praying about whether we should buy a car. Well, let me just tell you something. There ain't nothing to pray about. You just need to go check your budget. I'm amazed at how many people say stuff like that. It, and if she comes to you and she's batting those eyelashes, you know, honey, do you think we could get some new furniture? The Joneses got some new furniture. You know what I mean? Well, let me just tell you something. You can just basically, if you're, if you're smart, you can just say, well, of course we can, sweetie. I would love to buy you some furniture, but why don't we go talk to Mr. Budget? Let's go talk to Mr. Budget. Oh, Mr. Budget says, no, 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 no. I am so sorry. Mr. Budget says, no, Mr. Budget's bad. I'm good. Mr. Budget's bad. Come here, sweetie. Let me hold you. Let me hold. Daddy, hold you. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. You just need to introduce her to Mr. Budget. Okay? So romance is not to, not to be mistaken for sometimes good math. Amen? All right. Number three, security. Here's her, this is the number one need of a woman is security. Security. If you talk in insecure terms, your wife can't even hear you. Say, well, I need to do that more often. No, that's not the answer. <laughs> that's not the answer. You're, you're, you're misinterpreting what I'm saying. You want her to hear you? You, have to, you, make, you want her to feel secure in a relationship? You need to speak in secure terms. That doesn't mean everything's all worked out. In fact, that sometimes it's not all worked out. But you, she needs to know you're going to be here in the morning. She needs to know I'll protect you from all kinds of problems that are going on in her life. You don't have to worry about this, honey. I got it. I don't know, you know, you could be thinking in your head, I don't know how we're going to do it, but I'll get it done. If you're coming into a financial problem, I don't know how we're going to overcome it, but we're going to overcome it. Don't fear. Honey, I just want you to know something. Those people may hurt you, but you're my, you're my best friend. I've got you. I've got you. You can trust me. You can rely on me. Those people say those kind of things. You're beautiful to me, honey. You're amazing to me. You don't have to worry about this. This is how we talk to our spouse. And it's like water. It just, it raises, it raises Excuse me, it's like, it's like wood at the bottom of the ocean. It makes everything kind of come to the surface. And so how do you provide security, man? Let me be specific. Number one, financial stability is one. This provides security for her. This, I believe this is my responsibility in the home, not hers. She may, your wife may work. You say, was well, that okay? I think it's okay. Yeah. But I think the primary weight and responsibility is on the husband. We're very traditional in this respect. I take this very seriously. I don't expect her to carry the load. If you were to ask my wife if she had like a financial worry or concern about my ability to provide for her in this life, I think she would unequivocally say, no, she doesn't worry about it. Not because I'm so great at it, but because I communicate security to her. Does that make sense, everybody? It doesn't mean that we, have, we haven't had some tough times and some rough spots or whatever, uh, but I, I make sure she knows she doesn't have to worry about it. Nor, and my kids don't worry about it either. It's important that we communicate that way. And, and so and one of the reasons she doesn't worry about it is because she's got a hardworking, dependable, do-whatever-it-takes, good-looking husband. I just thought that, that fit in the list right there. I just thought we should go ahead and do that. So, and, and I steward pretty well, and I give generously, and I, and I seek financial counsel in matters where I need financial counsel. And... And, and so if you do that, you know, year after year after year, you'll have a secure marriage. Number two, emotional stability. So financial stability, emotional stability. Everybody say emotional. 
you, you got to take the weight off her, okay? She needs to know you understand her. So to take the weight off, you have to, you have to help her see that you get what she's going through. Does that make sense to everybody? You seek to understand before you, gentlemen, can be understood. And when you do that, you connect with her and you also release her from certain weights. If you have that emotional safety net, it's, think of it like this. It's an emotional safety net. Here's your relationship and all the troubles. There's this like, there's like this net underneath the trapeze, underneath that, that, that wire, that high wire act of life. When you have that, you, you fall down, you, you can say anything and you can find everything. Every solution every pro- to every problem that's going on in your life, if you have that emotional safety net, you can work it out. So good to have that. Uh, number three, physical stability. Physical stability. You are her protector to the world, the enemy. That's, that's the spiritual side. She needs to know when she's sick, you're, 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 you're advocating for her. You are interceding for her. Even your kids, your families. Sometimes your families are taking advantage of your relationships and and, and hurting your relationship and attacking even your spouse. You need to be a protector in those situations. And it's amazing how often these things are happening. I'm going to conclude with this. Let me just say this. Our world is, you know, currently is really distorted in the area of relationships. People are giving up on relationships altogether. Don't believe in, in marriage. And so if we'll lay our life down, though, if we'll serve others selflessly. We'll lay our life down for Jesus. We'll lay our life down for a wife. It'd be a totally different thing. What if, what if instead, picture in your mind, as husbands, we got off the recliner, put down the remote control and stopped barking out orders and served? What would happen if we did that consistently? What if Jesus didn't get off his throne? What if he stayed there, just barked out orders from heaven and commanded this and commanded that? He didn't do that, though. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And he actually came from heaven to earth to show us how to do it, how to do it right. Can you stand your feet? Let me pray for you. I want to release you so you can support our, our youth out there in the parking lot. Did you get something out of this? <laughs> just having a little fun this morning. Praise the Lord. If you just bow your heads and close your eyes and just allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you and, and ask, ask this question, what is the Holy Spirit speaking to me through this message? How am I doing in the area of communication? How am I doing in the area of, of leadership? How am I doing in the area of providing uh, security for my spouse? And, for, and, and then if you're, you're, on either, if you're, if you're, if you're not a husband, you're, you're not married, but how, how are you doing in connecting with God, in communication with God? I want to pray for you. Father, in Jesus' name, I ask that you just help every person in a relationship that's in this room. I don't mean to bring any condemnation to anybody that's struggling. Some, many have been divorced and many have had broken, broken relationships. God wants to take those broken places and restore those. He, he takes this kind of humpty dumpty generation where we all fall off the wall at some point, cracked and all kinds of that. He puts our lives back together again. That's what he is in the business of doing. And he does it better than anybody if we'll just do it his way. Divorce is just simply this. It just, if we'll do it, there's a 100% chance if we do it God's way, we'll, we'll succeed. And so when divorce takes place, it just means somebody wasn't given 100% to God's way. That's it. And so God, I pray that you help us in our relationships to do it your way as we go forward and we learn 
how to apply what you've taught us in your word to our relationships. In Jesus' name. Father, forever, for every person that's here, maybe that's feeling a little distant or disconnected from the Lord, I pray that you bring them back today. And if, In fact, if you're here today and you know you've been a little bit disconnected from God, you've been far away from him and you want to draw near to him again, you want to connect with him again today, maybe you've never done that. Maybe you've never made that formal connection to come close to God or connect with God. You can do that by inviting Jesus Christ into your life. It'd be the best decision you ever made. It'd help you connect with everybody else a lot better when you're connected to him because he is the originator of all relationships. He's the one who knows it best. If you'd like to connect with Jesus formally, would you raise your hand and just say, that's me. I need to know for sure. I want to I do that before I leave today. God bless you, hon. Thank you very much. God bless you all the way at the back. God bless you, sir. All the way at the back. Thank you. Thank you. Just say this with me. Those of you raise your hand and those that are in the, in the audience together, would you say, Jesus, I lay my life down for you today. I choose today also to lay my life down for others. Help me to connect with you first. Refresh my relationship with you. I invite you into my life as my Savior and as my Lord in Jesus' name. And Father, for everyone that prayed that prayer for the first time, I pray you seal that prayer, that you point them in the right direction, that you help them connect to God like they just did, godly people in a godly place. Tell somebody, put it on a connection card and start their journey aright in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen and amen. Can we give the Lord a big hand clap all over the place? Come on, Vanessa.